if you're blind, you can't receive a push notification. You can from another person, you know, with body language. Oh, right, that yeah. kind. <laughs> yeah, the other kind you could do it using vocalization, probably. I'm going to push you. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey, everybody! Welcome to episode 77 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the webnet. Tube slinger. I'm Sam and I make pictures. And today is is unlucky Tuesday, December 13th. Spooky, so spooky. 2016. Uh, warning anything could happen on this show. There would be profanity, other stuff. We might talk about ghosts, which is mm-hmm. very scary. Very spooky. Um, mm-hmm. So if you are a child, if you're easily offended by just simple harsh words or, or phantasms ghosts. or ghosts <laughs> then you should it's get almost, out of here it's almost like we're related how we say the same shit it is a bit yeah <laughs> speaking of phantasms the only thing I, the only context i remember hearing about phantasms i'm pretty sure was pathways, pathways into darkness, darkness. Yeah. yeah where you have to use <laughs> for some reason you use a crystal well yeah you can't shoot them they're phantasms right but I you mean, use don't a be crystal and then, and then you mm. just how do you, you have well, no, it, no, wait, no, you use the blue crystal, it freezes them, then you can shank on oh, them, right, stab them. Oh, I remember this. And if you didn't have it by then, you were just, you just got fucked. You just got killed. You also, how do you it, fire the crystal? Because it, you just squeeze it. It's like a stress like a ball. ball. Yeah. Just kind of give it a squeeze. Because it has ammo. And there was also the yellow crystal, which causes earthquakes. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, which does not affect phantasms, by the way, because they're phantasms. So <laughs> You, you have to freeze them. You know, Shed and I were talking about this the other day, how we get a lot of implicit knowledge about things from playing video games. It may not be correct. You mean about example, like how phantasms are affected by well, earthquakes? I mean, yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, there's yeah. that, and then there's like the medieval weaponry from Diablo. Yeah. Yeah, you go, you go into like some, some old it. museum showing all these weapons. Mm-hmm. You're like, I've seen all this shit. No, it's That's a Halberd. barbiche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a barbiche. Yeah. Why, do we, why do we need to know? <laughs> the difference between the two is, is, is this, because, you know, I used it on my whirlwind barb back yep. in the day <laughs> everyone's like who what? i have a lot of combat experience with a bar, what are with a bar niche. um so we have some news this week <laughs> first off we we have closed the application yeah for the 2d artist position we've had 284 applicants yeah it's pretty good People which is some jazz some fierce ass competition mm-hmm. um we have it's very good. We have a great pool of, of folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to say that, unfortunately, we still can only take one. Which is nuts. We which is 300 applications. That's yeah. funnel. So that's a very, it's a it's a 0.3% acceptance rate. So And when we say closed, we mean we aren't letting in any new applicants, but Correct. we're still going to finish the those who are in there. Because mm-hmm. it's a multi-step process. So we're going to chug them through, uh, and then we'll... So I guess we'll start interviewing next week. Yeah, yeah, we have already have scheduled people. for, yeah. I think, four of them already for yeah, next week. So thank you all who have applied so far, or I guess just in general, because it's done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll be we'll be reviewing all this stuff over the coming weeks, and our eyes will be bleeding from mm-hmm. reading so many billions of words. <laughs> um, we also realized that our office has been blinding us because... We installed these daylight lights in the ceiling, and they have like a 900-something lumens, which is- They're more like a floodlight. Which is a fuckload, yeah. yeah. It's sort of a white-blue kind of just really harsh light. And this has been in our office for months and months now. We should should back up and describe uh, the new process that we have in place, which is every Monday, everybody in the office gets a self-reflection sheet that has like six questions on it. And you go through, and it's like, oh, like, am I working on the thing I- 
should probably be working on? Like, yeah, I think so. Well, you know, what are my next steps? And then one of the questions is, uh, what changes could be made to the office environment so that I could work better? And so these have netted things like, uh, I guess we had some dumbbells that we brought out into the main room. Mm-hmm. We put a little call, <laughs> made a call center in one of the back bedrooms because, of course, this is in a basement in this house. So uh, there's a little chair and table for you to make phone calls at back there. We put a little Spotify jukebox off in the corner. Uh-huh. We got a jukebox for the to play some just nice video game music in the it's, background. It's, it's this way for us to kind of just continually improve the space based on whatever anybody's doing. And actually, our jam day came out of this from uh, from a good chat we had with Andy. It's his suggestion. So um, you know we we've been we've been using this thing to get some some extra process improvements out of it. And then yesterday, after Andy did his, he's like, "Come here, these these lights are like really." It's like Walmart, like being blinded in a in a <laughs> in a warehouse. And then as soon as he said it, my eyes started hurting. Like I didn't notice. Like, Wait a minute, how yeah. fucking bright? And I was like, oh. And then so we immediately went to Home Depot after, well, I guess, after work, and which we had to get some shovels and some de-icer anyway because it's about to snow. And you know, mm-hmm. there's that. Also, but. it's worth noting that Seth and Andy basically just left me in the store. Yeah, just, just we had a moment. We, we, <laughs> we were checking out all of our stuff. Andy and I just blazed through the, the self-checkout. I, what the Sam fuck? was there. Sam was right next to us and actually started checking out first. And so Andy were, and I were like, okay, well, we'll just wait outside. So we step outside. We were waiting there, and it's like three minutes go by. Where is Sam? We don't know. It's because so, I'm so, zoned in. I'm getting checked out. And then I look over and Seth and Andy are both fucking gone. Just gone. <laughs> and they were next to me. And I'm like, what? So instead of, instead of Sam just thinking, no, no, no. Maybe I peeked they left. out. I went and peeked out and nobody was there. Well, so, <laughs> and then the register lady also, looked to be funny. But also, I was like, Andy, go see what's going on with Sam. So Andy runs inside to look for Sam. Sam's gone. So <laughs> somehow... <laughs> We entered. We phased a, out. We phased sure. out into yeah. two different quest phases. It's that cartoon, <laughs> like the mm-hmm. Scooby Doo style thing, where yeah. you are running yeah. through all the doors. So and then yeah. eventually, Andy and I were like, maybe Sam somehow got to the truck I somehow. <laughs> so we went over to Andy's truck and we were waiting in there. And so there. meanwhile, I'm in Home Depot and I'm like, maybe they <laughs> because they have like they have like a one way. I have a quick question. Did anybody have a phone on them? Did, yeah, but who's yeah. got time I call, for that? Oh, so, I, I was calling Sam, but it was too late. So, yeah. so I'm, but the other thing is I'm holding a shovel, two ice scrapers, a gallon jug of... I don't have hands available. You just you carry in Home carry Depot items. Stuff. And so the problem is I walk out from the cash register. I go against the flow, right? Because they have like an entry point, and then there's a cash register exit point. And so I walk back out because I'm like, oh, maybe they came... They went out... They must have gone around and gone out the place where we came in, which is closer to the truck because it's cold outside. So I go back <laughs> over there, and then the woman stops me, and she's like, so, hey. so you can't leave? And I was like, what? And she's like, I need to see your receipt. And I was like, I need to oh. proof of purchase, sir. I was like, it's in the bag. And I'm like, I'm holding all this shit, so I literally can't. I can't even disentangle my hands from the bag. <laughs> so she's like digging in there and she's like, so there's no receipt in here. And I was like, fuck. I was like, it's just in, it's in the machine. And I was like, hang on. So I go back, <laughs> walk back over to the goddamn checkout thing. And the funniest part about this is actually that the, so my credit card had gone through, but the signature thing was still there. So I had to actually spend it. I'm like, oh shit! So I, I signed you it real did quick. almost. Steal. I did almost steal a bunch of stuff. So I <laughs> signed it real quick, and then, and then I'm like, oh okay. And I grabbed the receipt, uh, and then walked back out. And the woman's like, give me this sort of look, like clearly you just tried to steal stuff, which I guess I did, but I wasn't trying to. Like my intent was not there. Like, just too I many you, steps. I saw you sign that. Why is? Why do you need my signature to buy thirty dollars worth of snow supplies? I don't know. 
Just in yeah, case. I don't think that. signatures even hold up in court. They don't. So I literally, I especially considering if you sign something on one of those stupid signature pads, they never it doesn't looks, look anything like. I took, no. I took that pen and I just whipped it across. <laughs> no they one actually, would ever know. There, there was some, there was some place I went to because that's all I do. I just, I, it's like a quick scribble and that's it. Mm-hmm. But there was some place I went to where oh, no. I did that. And it didn't work, and she was, and I was like, oh, it didn't take my signature. And the, the cashier said. Oh, did you just like scribble it really quick? And I was like, yes. And she said, oh, this one doesn't let you do that. So maybe it just detects <gasps> like, how long your pen was on Yeah, it like take the- some time or something. <laughs> what? You only touched it for a tenth of a second. That's not yeah. a signature. <laughs> but yeah, so I get uh, so I get to the the exit point and the woman just is giving me this look like I clear, like, a, like I'm a petty thief, you know, and I uh, turn on my thing and I walk outside and Seth and Andy are just in the truck, just like right there by the entry point. And I'm like, I just go, what the? <laughs> and, and truck, we're like, we'll give him, we'll give him two minutes, and if he doesn't show up, he's probably gone. I'm like, you guys, <laughs> you guys just <laughs> left me to die, Home Depot. Oh, Jeez. Man. So that happened. So I guess the moral of the story is we now have slightly dimmer lights. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's also good. shovels we and shovels. shovels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this past weekend was the Ludum Dare competition slash jam, um, which. What is Ludum Dare? Ludum Dare is a 48-hour game-making extravaganza on Friday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. They announce the theme, and then you have 48 hours to make a game that incorporates that theme. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with a team. Um, I did it totally solo, which was first time I've done that in quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I used the Shenanimator, which was the first time that that has been used in an actual game. So you're also doing software dev. Yeah, I actually spent the first good portion of the jam debugging the Shenanimator, mm-hmm. and I also used Adam's uh, new Ink Inkscape exporting-slash-importing program called the Inktube. Maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that automatically compiles and exports a whole bunch of stuff at once out of Inkscape. That's the, called the Ink Pump. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Ink Vac, Mm-hmm. which sucks those exported items into Game Maker mm-hmm. and imports them automatically into there. And the whole thing is called the ink tube. Yeah. It's the ink tube, which has <laughs> a pump on one side. It has a pump and a vac. <laughs> so the naming convention was all Seth's idea. So, so there, there were a number of times out. where the shenanimator broke. There were a number of times where the ink pump broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Adam and I were throughout the course of this jam doing software development and debugging those things. Um, but a game still came out of it, and the game is called Alien Kitchen Turbo. Mm-hmm. And uh, classic butterscotch naming fashion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just some generic word and then turbo or extreme uh-huh. on the end of it. <laughs> um, it turned out pretty fun. It's uh, and, and I specifically, in this case, I made a game that we like, we have some rules for jamming, for mm-hmm. making games really fast. Um, which usually revolve around focus on action games, right? So we've tried making tower defense games. We've tried making um, simulation games and whatever. And because those game types have so many uh, required components before they are complete, then they are really, really hard to execute in a jam, right? But if you have something that's like an arcade game, so think like uh, Roid Rage, you know, it's like fly around asteroids, and if you hit one, you lose, right? You could prototype that in 20 minutes. Yeah. and then you have the rest of the jam to actually figure out how to make it interesting. <laughs> um, so I kind of went against that convention for this one. And I made a game that's a, the Alien Kitchen Turbo is in two phases. Uh, the premise is you are an alien lead chef of an alien kitchen. And mm-hmm. you're trying to make your kitchen make as much money as possible. So uh, there's the build phase where you buy equipment and hire employees. And you have, and then you can also rearrange the layout of your kitchen to try to 
maximize the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the dinner rush phase where orders come in at the order window, and then you as the lead chef have to go grab the, the order and then bring it to your employees. And hopefully you bring it to the, the right employees who are you know at the right pieces of equipment and stuff like that. Um, it turned out pretty good, I think. It's pretty fun. Uh, it's... I think the only downside to it is I didn't have, because it was one of those bigger game concepts, Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to um, expand it much beyond what I would consider sort of like an early stage where, uh, for example, like I would have loved to add conveyor belts Mm -hmm. and some like some automated systems where you could try to set up like actual mechanisms to auto deliver uh, like recipes and auto pick up Mm -hmm. food. It's like almost like a factorio kind of situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That would have been so cool. And, And honestly, if I had like eight more hours, I probably could have done that, but. We also didn't have the fights. Uh, yeah, the original idea was, oh, yeah. was going to be a Gordon Ramsay simulator. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, there was going to be different employees would have different tempers. And the higher their skill was, the worse temper they would have. And if people around them screwed up, because each each alien has an attention to detail metric where they have a propensity to mess up a dish and then have to start over cooking it. Um, and so if you have an alien that has a bad temper next to an alien that screws up all the time, mm. then you have a, you just got a recipe for fights, mm-hmm. right? And so then part of the kitchen layout was going to be not just maximizing the flow of, of food and orders, but also keeping your employees from attacking each other. I was right? going to say, I think... Because the original idea was that you would go up and if someone was like on the verge of freaking out, you'd sort of slap them around. Slap them, yeah. I think it'd be better if you had to go and you slapped. So they'd be having like a slap fight. After and then they you jump in and slap. And then you get in there and like, just stop it. You yeah, that was, that was the intention. The yeah, they would, start, they, would start, they would start slapping each other. Um, but yeah, what it turned out was that the dinner rush, it was like it's a 30-second window where you mm-hmm. have to get as many orders as possible. And it gets so frantic once you have even just like five employees. Yeah. That having to pay attention to anything other than yep. picking up food and dropping things off would have just been insane. So, um, so that got cut. But anyway, uh, we can probably put a link to it maybe on the podcast page or we something. Definitely could in uh, the description of the episode. Yeah. So there'll be links around Alien Kitchen Turbo. Play it. It's free. Whatever. Who cares? All right. <laughs> Let's move on to some questions. All right. Questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. You can ask them anonymously or with your Scotch ID, which gives you some sweet perks and stuff. Marina, you yeah, can I also reorganized the podcast page so it's a little bit less dumb than it used to be. That's always good. Not yeah. a lot less dumb, but a little bit. The questions are at the top now. Yeah. Hey! Or the, the question form. So you don't have to scroll for 45 days. Yeah. Well, it usually wasn't a problem when we had like five episodes. We have 70 or something. We've, been, we've been around the block. Yeah. Yeah, seen some shit. Oh, actually, we have when I was when I was tooling around in the back end of the of the thing, I saw that we have had a total of a thousand questions what? asked. Oh we've, my god! We've answered four hundred some of them. Wow! Which means the rest got deleted. <laughs> Does it still send people? No- <laughs> Do we decide if it sends people notification? Do we turn that off? I'm still. It sends them a notification when it gets answered. But when we delete it, I'm pretty sure it be still that it does not tell them when it's Good. deleted. Pretty sure. So if you asked a question and it didn't get answered, it's because. It's because who knows what happened. I don't, don't know. know. It's, just, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's probably an error. Question it's probably a right, uh, First question comes from Jinxed Soul, who says, out of every game you've ever played, what was the hardest achievement that you have unlocked? Okay, I have a, I have a, I have a beef. It's definitely a wow one for you. Wait, what's your beef? No, my beef How is- How could you have a beef? My beef is that, here's the phrase I here, want right? a beef. Like, yeah, what's a beef? What's the hardest <laughs> achievement you've ever unlocked? 
Not what's the, like the hardest thing you've ever achieved. Uh, you mean you mean because achievements in games are often mundane as fuck and actually mm-hmm. are not actually okay. Well, let's let's right? broaden well, it up. Okay, then I don't think this is necessarily a beef. Then I think this is fine. This I'll is, say this the, is specifically yeah, it's specifically using the definition of achievement that is an in-game unlock that gives you a little icon. Yeah. Well, right. I'll say I'll say the hardest thing I ever did in a, in a game was I built a a fighter jet and Kerbal Space Program, mm-hmm. and I flew it to the only other celestial body in the solar system that also has an oxygen atmosphere, which is one of the moons of Jewel, which is sort of like the Kerbal Space Program of Jupiter, right? Mm-hmm. It has a moon that's basically a planet, um, and it has oxygen, which means you can use air-breathing engines, like jet engines, mm-hmm. right? And so I made a something that was kind of like a, like a moon lander, but it uses jet engines instead. So I flew this thing over there, I, t- I landed it, and then I took off and I flew back to space with a jet engine on, <laughs> on another planet. Uh, and that took, that took probably a good, like, 30 hours of developing my spacecrafts and trial and error and stuff. <laughs> so That's pretty good. That's the, that's the hardest thing I ever did. But you don't well, get an achievement for that. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but what's the hardest achievement, though? Thing that does give you an achievement. Here's the thing. I actually I don't even know. I actually don't pay attention to achievements pretty much at all. Yeah. Yeah. Out so of, like, I don't actually know what achievements is. I have. I think I know what mine is. Yeah. What do you think mine is? Half life. Yeah. Yeah. I did the, the half life oh, gnome yeah. achievement. This was like around the time achievements first sort of became a yeah. thing. Yeah, I think it was basically when they first became a thing. So. Oh wait. I did kill a hundred thousand alliance players in World of Warcraft. <laughs> That's did. pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty dang good. Yeah, that's gross. That is that is an achievement that I unlocked. <laughs> yeah, the no achievement though in uh, Half Life Two is at the very like, one of the very early scenes in the game. There's just a little garden gnome sitting underneath a bed, right? And Half Life Two, for those of you who uh, weren't around or weren't into games at the time, or two thousand four, two thousand four, right? Which means it was, people who were born that year are now twelve. <laughs> true go play so, half-life go play well, half-life when they can play half-life now. so half-life 2 though <laughs> it broke a whole bunch of barriers in in games when it came out and one of those things is that you could you couldn't interact with everything like you can now in some games but you could interact with a lot of things and it used to be the case that you just fucking could interact with anything so it was kind of the first like major title to really start it's doing all physics-y that. too it's all physics-y uh and in fact physics-based gameplay became a staple of of that game uh but anyway so you can just pick up stuff all the time and so it makes you always want to pick up things right and and as a consequence, they just made it as kind of a little joke. They just made this little garden gnome, put him in an early scene, and then added an achievement that if you, at the very end of the, of the game, there's a rocket or like a missile, and that you go basically interact with the, with the cone of this missile as part of the as part of the game. And so, and there's an achievement that you could put that gnome into the cone of this rocket. <laughs> so you carry it through the entire game. You carry game. it through the entire game, but while you're carrying it, you can't do anything else, right? So, so you gotta so carry you gotta, it and like put throw it down. down yeah, you gotta carry it, you gotta throw it down and then kill things or, go back or and get it. solve a puzzle and then go back well, and, and get there's, it. And there's scenes in that game where like you're driving a... a Oh, like a dune buggy. Is that the yeah. dune buggy? Or you, have to like, buggy? you have to like put it in the passenger yeah, you, seat. Or you put it, I put you it gotta in the like, back. Yeah, you got to kind of wedge it in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it keeps on falling out, so it makes, yeah. it, makes it a very So every now and then you'd be trying like, yeah, and then you look back and you're like, oh, fuck, where's my gnome? And then you got to go back and pick it up. Yeah, well, and there are these crazy scenes where you're fighting these like these striders, these, th- these three-legged creatures that are really fast. And you're, so you're in a buggy, like driving around, <laughs> being chased by these things, and your fucking gnome flies out. <laughs> <of the back laughs> 
Yeah. So that one, that's one of the, I think that's the only achievement that I sought out to go get because it was sounded so interesting. Well, it's also interesting because that completely changes the nature of the gameplay. Yeah. Right? Pursuing that one. Yeah. So I like those ones. The ones where you're just Mm -hmm. like, keep doing what you're doing and then we'll give you a bonus, right? Yeah. We'll just give you a a little icon to symbolize your progress. Um, Those, to me, those aren't. Well, it kind of it kind of flies in the face of what the word achievement means, you know. Like, hey, you Some completed extra. a tutorial, you that you achieved. Yeah, it depends you on what the thing is, though. Because when it's something like defeat a hundred thousand alliance players, right? That is an achievement. Yeah. It's but legit. what about? But again, a thousand. I just did it because I wanted to. But that doesn't make it. That doesn't make <laughs> it. Not, just loves murder. But how does that make it not an achievement, though? Um, I don't know. This is like it's like the Nobel Prize, right? People don't they don't do science to get a Nobel Prize unless some asshats do but for the most part they're yeah. just doing their science that's true now let me ask, like, no let me ask this though because this comes back to that question of external versus or extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation mm, yeah. right if you start making little badges of honor for people doing any activity at all in a game does that motivate people to do it or does it demotivate people here's the question can you can you truly get an achievement if you're trying to get it that's essentially what you're saying. The people who win Nobel mm-hmm. Peace Prizes aren't trying to. Right. They're just doing their thing. People who achieve the greatest things in murder scope in terms of World of Warcraft <laughs> just like murder. Well, and I, th- <laughs> and I think if you if you set out, if you're like, I don't really give a fuck about science. I'm just here for the Nobel Peace Prize, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to dedicate my life to getting that Peace Prize and whatever I have to do to get it. I'm gonna, however many lines players I have to kill. I'm going <laughs> to do, do it. I think you'd have a harder time getting it then. Probably, yeah, because you're so focused on the on the prize that you can't you can't do you the thing focus you need on to the do. journey. Yeah. Well, I think my uh, my greatest, at least recent one that I can remember, is uh, in Terraria. So I beat Terraria, and I mean like which beat is it. something beating the Moon Lord boss at the end, fuck. which is really really fucking hard. Um, in or- in order to do that, I went and I looked up all of the possible buffs you can get in the game. So I had like the best armor you could get, had the best weapon you can get. And this boss was still just crushing me into the dirt. So I was like, all right, time to, time to, to the next level. So I looked up all of the buffs and then went and like fished and cooked up all of the dishes and got all of the fish and then ate all of them. <laughs> and so I had this list <laughs> of all buffs. independent buffs. Yeah. Yeah. And then like all of the different tables you can get that increase like how many menus you can summon, just all this shit. And so I was just as buffed as was physically possible. <laughs> Man, you, you min-maxed the hell out I of that. I min-maxed the hell out. Well, you have to. This boss fight is nuts. So, uh, and then finally killed him. And then after that, I was like, okay, like, I've done the thing. So I went and killed him two more times. Each time, it's still harder than shit, by the way. Like, it's really, really hard. <laughs> but some of the gear you get from it, of course, helps offset how difficult it is. So uh, killed the Moon Lord like three or four times, got all the stuff it wanted. And then um, I was just super into it still. And I was like, what's the, like, what's the craziest thing you could build in this game? And it's this, normally you build your drills, right? Or your, like, pickaxes. You build oh, the pickaxe, fucking pickaxe. You could build this fucking UFO that it requires like 40 of every ore, including like the super rare ones. So I just made the list and then I just went down. It took me like four and a half hours to gather all the stuff now that I have my extreme turbo gear on. And uh, you build this UFO that literally like, it's like a fucking bulldozer. It just like, has, well, it's a laser bulldozer. Yeah, so you just, you fly around. So it flies, first of all. <laughs> yeah. And then so you Gravity just, is now nothing. Yeah, you so you just shit. click in a direction and then like eight lasers just shoot in that direction and just just like destroy blocks. So you can pretty much just fly through the map as you're, as you're drilling. <laughs> of course, it, the, sad, the sad reality of the UFO is that once you have it, you don't need it. No, I mean, I love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, so the first well, thing right? I did, like, once you've built that, what else well, do you no, need so to build? Because there's a problem, which is that, of course, corruption spreads in Terraria constantly. Not so with you, UFO. Crush corruption. So what I did was, I was because the first base that I ever had in Terraria that I started getting far in, this corruption crept in and then just destroyed my life, basically, and kind of fucked up my game. So, so I was like, seek revenge. So you I'm were going on a to, quest for <laughs> with, now with my newfound UFO powers, I'm just going to disconnect my base from the planet. So mm. I just dug Bu- uh, a huge trench. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I just had this floating, basically a floating island in the sky. But sort of a Dalaran situation. used to be the ground. Did it go all the way to hell? Uh, it went about halfway there. Nice. It took about five minutes. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was really fun. And then I got super sad because I just lo- I booted up Terraria a few weeks ago. And I don't know if I like never put that into the cloud or whatever else, but I don't have that saved. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no. <laughs> Which is okay, I guess, you know. Sometimes That's one future. thing that to me is interesting about Terraria specifically mm-hmm. is that the difference between you as a starting player with nothing and that is fucking incredible. Yes. Like, it's just enormous. It's true. Most games don't have that, that wide of a power difference. Yeah, because even... Because even things like World of Warcraft, just the numbers get bigger. Right. right? You, get, you get more abilities. You get more, but, yeah, you get yeah. more abilities. But they all do the same And thing. bigger shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah, which just make it, but then you just kill things. Like, that's still yeah. what you do, right? But in something like Terraria, you get better at crafting and better at combat, and then you get better armor, then you can fly a little bit. And, mm-hmm. then like, and they start just to kind of stack these things together so that you're basically, it's it's. Really, you literally go from being like a normal person to, to a being god. a superhero. Yeah, you're or a superhero god. at the end yeah. of it, yeah. With a UFO. What's next then? What are they gonna What are they gonna patch in after the UFO? They patch. They they keep saying like, "Oh, this is the last patch." And then wait like a six minute. months later, they're like, and they're like, "Wait, just we kidding. just made millions more dollars. I guess we'll yeah. just keep is, <laughs> keep doing this." Is it the prequel to Starbound? Terraria? It, yeah, because you you building spacecraft now. Starbound's made by somebody else, isn't it? Starbound's made uh, was founded by one of the artists from Terraria originally. Uh, no, but you know, hey, cross promo. Right? But is, there's a Terraria a- two though, right? There is a Terraria two In coming out at some point. Yeah, who knows? Anyways, next question uh, comes from Jinx Soul again. If you were able to transform into any two animals combined, so this is like a centaur situation. Yeah. It'll be me plus a horse. That. <laughs> Any um, two animals combined. Okay. So I guess if, if one of the animals is human, but you choose. Right. Yeah. Uh, what animals <laughs> would you choose? I personally think it'd be cool to combine an octopus because all of its o- OP survival tactics and a honey badger. Mm. I would combine. Honey care. I would combine a platypus and an octopus. I don't, so know, I don't pl- know what you'd call it. <laughs> a pl- a platoctopus. A platoctopus. A pl- a it would just right. be a basic platypus. You could just call it right. an octopus. Yeah, just call it yeah, an octopus. <laughs> It's just use the puss from the yeah. Yeah, from the platypus. Yeah, it would be sort of an octopus, but just with a with a duck bill instead of a beak. Mm. Nice. And then it just an arbitrarily placed uh, beaver tail on it somewhere <laughs> on its back. On its back, yeah. <laughs> like a dorsal fin. Yeah, yeah, for swimming. Interesting. What about you, Adam? Because also, you know, platypuses they don't they don't have nipples. They shoot milk out of their skin. Just <laughs> just kind of. <laughs> You don't know about this? I thought they do. No, they, oh, they have like pads. They have they? these like milk, just sort of areas that just sort of constantly. It's more like a, it's more like a just, distributed nipple. Then it's like right? yeah, yeah. It's like it's their a whole sheet. Sort of like their whole. <laughs> their, it's like their whole body is a nipple. The platypuses are fucking weird, <laughs> and yeah. so then they could just be like, "I'm covered in milk now." Adam, what would you turn into? Two animals, slam a jam them together whenever you want. I think I would combine a tardigrade. Whoa. Okay. Because then I'd become immune to everything. They are invincible. Yeah. Which would be a pretty good deal. With and and in the the post-apocalyptic hellscape we're all about to be living in with nuclear fallout and all that sure, stuff. Yeah. It'd be just convenient yeah. to be immune to like radiation. Like we think. Uh, and then maybe there's an Arctic fish 
I can't remember what it's called, but it's blood has a protein in it that works like antifreeze. Mm. And so even when the water is so cold around it that it should be frozen, isn't this get, isn't this blood. redundant though? Because you know tardigrade. But tardigrade is mostly just like stop moving. Oh, uh, you know? here's a question for you: Because tardigrades are so tiny. Yeah, yeah, that's why I would. So how big would you end up being? Because like the in between point between microscopic and a fish is still there's really, a, there's really a wide small, range like a there. minnow. Yeah, uh, really any size <laughs> would be fine, pretty much. I think I would combine. Uh, the two animals, which would be just my human self plus like a fucking elephant or a rhino. Would it be like an elephant, but just with a normal human <laughs> human head on it? You know, just regular size. <laughs> like a totally normal elephant, but just with a human face, just like smack in the middle of the head. Just like a freaky. Well, that's creepy. Wait, wait. Was, does the, is the elephant head still there too? So like yeah. elephant eyes and the whole Yeah, the whole, the whole mix. And then there's just also a yeah, human just, head. <laughs> well, no, like more like a human face, like the front of a human head. Kind of like, like the tree people kind of situation. Situation. Yeah. yeah. And would would the human head just kind of serve as an advisor to the elephant or I mean you're still in charge. It just cause I I'm assuming elephants have a hard time talking. I don't know if I want to lose my ability to speak just because I want to turn into a fucking elephant. Mm, that's true. But if you just took put human vocal cords into an elephant. Well, I, I will say they okay. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Maybe. If it was just you, if you actually to, you already kind of sound like an elephant, just in octave wise. I do rumble quite a bit. Yeah. True. Elephants can speak in these rumbly tones that are so low that they are imperceptible to humans, but mm-hmm. they, the sounds travel for miles. 20 miles. Yeah. Crazy They shit. sort of have like a tele- telegraph system, mm-hmm. right? They can send messages right. long distance. <laughs> if you had yeah. to just combine yourself with another animal, what would it be? Just myself? Or what about, well, let's do halves. Which mm-hmm. half? Any half? Any half. Vertical, diagonal slice, whatever you want. I'd replace my, <laughs> I'd replace my limbs with gorilla limbs. Ooh, <laughs> I'd combine myself with Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> who is another animal. Which half? Just the whole thing. <laughs> so you just become Dwayne. I would the just Rock become Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, not a, he's, very not charming. he's very charming. He's very charming. Dude. All right, and next he has opposable thumbs, which is a benefit that you know most animals don't have. That's true. Next question comes from Sarnoff. Zarnoff, who asks, uh, releasing your games under early access as soon as it compiles seems to be all the rage. What are your feelings <laughs> soon as it on this practice? <laughs> <laughs> like that's essentially where it's gone, right? I games in early access now are known for be just honest. being broke as fuck. Yeah, I think there are a, there are a few circumstances where I think it's okay, but. So Kerbal Space Program was in early access for years. Yeah. But it was a fully playable, essentially finished game the entire time. Yep. Which begs the question, was what, it in early access? Was early? It didn't. I don't know why it was in early access. Yeah, it was, un, it, was, it was just under heavy development, but it still is. Even though like at some point they just said, it's done now, patch 1.0. Mm-hmm. It's out of early access. And then they continue adding features just like they have been for the past five years. So... I don't yeah. know. Was it just because it was so sandboxy? Is that why they probably? Because there's like no tutorial. I think at the very I, beginning there was no point. Like there was yeah. just make rockets and fly them, right? Well, and it was and it was early access uh, through their own website. They weren't selling it through Steam or anything for the first I think two years. They just oh, wow. sold it themselves. Well, I guess what do you? Uh, so the question is basically what's your you know what's your feeling on the practice of what sounds like essentially too early of well, access. Well, I, I think it's it's titles. weird because if you if you release a game that actually is super early and is not finished and not actually very fun or interesting, then it's a terrible experience for the players and you cripple your chances at winning those people back, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you people look at your studio as a studio that releases unfinished things, right? Mm-hmm. 
So if you put a game out into early access, it's still going out into the public. People are still paying money for it. And you still, I think, owe them, uh, you just, you owe them a quality product. So it's kind of feels weird for it to be, I think it's, it's at the very least, it's just kind of like, it's you saying this isn't done yet. It's good enough that we want people to play it, but it's not done yet. So it's like, I think there's a little bit of a, it gives people, it gives you wiggle room so that if there's a, a bug or if there's, you know, something that, um, is clearly unfinished, then it gives you an out. If players say, I don't like this aspect of the game, then you can try and say, well, it's still under development, right? Because my question but, is, how many people who have played or who play early access titles, if the game isn't f- like fun, how often do you come back to it? This is the thing I, that I've I'm confused played about a few and I haven't returned to that. That's what I mean. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, I think every early access game I've played except for Kerbal Space Program. I played for maximum half an hour and then never played again. Well, even, even once it released. Slime Rancher. Yeah. I played Slime mm-hmm. Rancher. I did play the shit out of Slime Rancher. But here's the problem is I played I played a whole bunch and then I reached the end yep. of what was there in about yep. an hour and a half or something. Yep. Um, and then I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and maybe when they release, maybe it'll send me an email or something saying, hey, Slime Rancher's out of early access. And maybe then if if I catch that, I might pick it up again. Um, but I'm actually not planning on touching it again while it's in early access yeah. until it launches because I don't want to play for another hour and then run out of stuff to do again, mm-hmm. right? I'd rather just play the full game. Mm-hmm. So well, I think there's, a, there's also something to be said about, um, there was this recent graph that came out that was showing the number of games that are on Steam uh, based on the year that they were released. And 2016 accounts for I think like 40% of the games now. Mm-hmm. 40% of all games that are on Steam were released in the last 12 months, okay? And when did early access start? Two years ago? Two or three years ago. Two, three years ago. So I think there's also, there's a market difference happening where it used to actually be the case that there weren't, like there were a lot of, there were still a lot of games coming out on Steam, you know, way back when, but sure, they were just all fuck finished. not nearly as many <laughs> right. as now. And so I think, yeah. you know, getting into, being able to say, oh, like you, you can't play the full experience of this game yet because it's not done, um, but you can sort of get in early and maybe you're waiting on, you know, the next Far Cry or like the next big mm-hmm. AAA release. Wait, if, if there's three games coming out this month, yeah, but one of, them likely, is, one of them is is in early access, you're like, well, yeah, I'll it's check just it a out. cool thing to yeah. do, right? But I think that's my question. If is there's like, 300 games coming out this month, you're like, I'll right. just play the finished ones. Yeah, because <laughs> the thing is like, of all the ones that come out, you know, month by month, there's there's always a handful of really good ones. Like no matter what, even even as this tide of, you know, this this crushing tide of games increases, you see, we've already seen the same thing on mobile. There's 3,000 fucking games that come out a week on mobile. And early access has actually just appeared on Google Play or yeah. it's like it's on in Google Play Works yeah. or mm-hmm. something, yep. um, which I don't think we would ever want to Nope. probably do right I, yeah i'm not i'm not so sure about it, especially for narrative because it doesn't just, work yeah it's just so hyper competitive that when there's why would you choose 500 or 800 games coming out a day which there is on, right. on google play um why would you put one up that's unfinished yeah because so it's I, hard enough to get to get any you know uh, attention on a game that actually is done mm-hmm. and is good well and it used to so, be true that when you weren't dumb it ran out of money then early access was a path for you to go bring in some income to give you enough runway to finish off the game. That may no longer be the case. It doesn't it's, seem like that's this the not case really the case anymore. Or, also, or, but people also look to games from two years ago, like Rust, you know, or whatever, that, yep. or Kerbal Space Program, that went into early access around the time where there weren't that many games coming out on Steam. Early access was a new thing. Look at those and like, wow, those games got like two, three million mm-hmm. players while they were in early access. It must be a feasible model. 
but nowadays, no. I don't know if it's... I think, I mean, the market has really shifted pretty hard in the last couple of years. And I think the, the biggest thing is actually one of uh, one of getting eyeballs on your game because uh, players now on Steam, because you can customize your Steam storefront now and you can just say, don't show me early access titles, which I do because they're all garbage by pretty much so far. <laughs> so I just don't even see them anymore. But the crazy thing is that uh, if your game is in early access, the press is less likely to cover your full launch because the game is old out. news or it's your a, early access launch. or your early access. Like nobody cares about your early access launch. Right. And then... Once you actually get done with the game after, say, six months or a year in development, not making much money because it's early access and not many people are buying it anymore, then when you go to back to the press and you're like, hey, the game's finally, the game's fully launching. It's going to be out for real. They're like, I don't give a shit. But yeah, it's, it's not really because it's been available for years. Yeah. And it's just been sort of like incremental improvements. Every month, the game has gotten better. And then at some point, you as a developer just flipped a switch to change the words around it from early yeah, access so to I think, release. Right? Um, I, I personally find the use of early access, uh, if it's not for partic- like very particular types of games, I think it's it's actually not a good idea anymore. Um, the, well, you the risks to, you outweigh know ex- the cost. Yeah, you have to know exactly what you're trying to get out of it and how realistic that would be. Yeah. And I think I think uh, most games seem to not not really fully think through why they're putting well, it. Well, I think everybody still thinks that if you if you put up on early access that you could fund your development with it. Or even that it's they, the that it's an opportunity for them to find out if people would buy it before they finish the thing mm-hmm. and go through the effort of launching. Again, who knows? But yeah, but it's not yeah. it's it's highly unlikely that your success or lack of success in early access is gonna unless you actually do really well, mm-hmm. then it's highly unlikely it's gonna correlate with what you actually get. That may even be the case if you do a Kickstarter as well. Yeah, right. same deal. Because what, what makes people back a Kickstarter is, you know, the, the marketing around it, but you don't have anything finished, so, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, next question comes from Jinx Soul again. Speaking of getting jammy jams a lot, which is Jimmy John's around yeah. here, uh, have you ever eaten so much of one food that you used to love that you hate it now? Nope. There have been times <laughs> where I ate too much of a thing and then didn't want it for a short period of time. The only one I can really remember was in college, uh, my now wife bought me a giant, enormous box of Kit Kats. But like mm. one of those industrial size boxes. That like you a would, pallet. Yeah. A pallet. <laughs> and w- within a very, very short time span, because that's how I do, I ate all of it. And uh, <laughs> as a consequence, then Kit Kats, which were my favorite candy at the time, then were just like fucking disgusting to me for... <laughs> probably wait, actually get wait, like half who a year. Question. Who would win in a fight? A million... Kit Kats on a pallet or one pallet sized Kit Kat? I would win. Yeah. yeah. We all win. So my question is there is did the did the hatred for the food begin during the tail end, yeah. The tail end of it? We're yeah. like, God, I fucking hate these. <laughs> <laughs> but well, but it was finish. a completionist thing, right? Because I'd I'd eaten almost an entire pallet of Kit Kats. Yep. And so there's only a few left, and it's like you can't well, give up now. I can't give up now. But then after that, That's a coward's way out. <laughs> and I didn't have diabetes yet, so you know, just keep. What's another kick? What's the harm? What's uh, the harm? But now they are back to my top two candies. So, mm. so for for, for me, I I uh, when I was first learning how to make games, I was on a time management crunch because I was in law school at the time, and I had to maximize my game dev learning time. So uh, one of the things that I did was I was like, I shouldn't have to devote time and energy toward figuring out what I'm going to eat. So instead, I came up with a meal system that was just, I would just cook the same meal every four days in huge quantities. It's a pretty simple system. But where do you get, where do you get down to it? <laughs> yeah. But it is a good one. 
Yeah. So I just cook the same meal uh, every four days, eat the fuck out of it, and then go to the grocery store and buy the exact same set of things again each time, right? So... Yeah, well, I cut out tons of cooking time. This meal was, it was pasta and hamburger, wasn't it? Uh, with vegetables. With vegetables, yeah. Yeah. So you got, you, you got your carbs, groups. you got your meats, you got your veggies, right? It's all, boom, complete nutrition. I've had it before. It's pretty good. Yeah. So I ate that for about a year, just every wow. day. Um, <laughs> and guess what? I still fucking love it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think mine has to, has to be, uh, it's a similar thing, but eggs. Uh, eggs and sausages. Because whenever my wife and I decide that we're kind of overcooking for a while because of the same reason, we're like, oh, man, we're just really busy. I don't want to, have to deal with this nonsense. Then we just go to the store and we buy those pre-cooked sausages where they're just coming to pack like four or six. These big, cool-looking bratwurst. Good for you. Good ingredients. We're like, fuck it. So for lunch, I just have two of these and you just nuke them. And you eat them with some ketchup. And you guys have seen me doing that. Yeah, I've been, I've been wondering about this. <laughs> it's about half of my meals. Sam's like, I got my lunch. And he's just like holding a, a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I... Uh, Sausages. I don't... I'm not tired. Of, like, I I never get upset about having food to eat. I don't. I'm just no, yeah, not upset I about, love food. But if you gave me a choice, if you're like, you could not have sausages today, I'd be like, yes, please. <laughs> I will take you know yeah, I mean? well, it, yeah, it's the difference between just being cool with it and having, yeah. you know. And then the same thing happened with eggs because uh, basically the same situation, we always have just eggs in the morning. And I used to do what Seth does, which is eat like half a carton of eggs every time I eat eggs. So six to eight scrambled eggs in the morning. <laughs> it's just too many fucking eggs. I'm be honest. Yeah. Just like, oh, just, <laughs> just too fucking many. So I could do that for a couple of days in a row. And then I'm like, I. No, I mean, the thing is, not. it's actually not enough eggs. So what you got to do is you got to get over the hump. You got to pass the sort of like you, you landed in the uncanny valley of egg consumption. Mm. You got to you got to eat at least nine eggs at once. It also depends on how you cook them because scrambled eggs are like the most boring of egg types. Actually, that's not true. Hard-boiled eggs. Not, I think not if you fling a bunch of well, here's uh, the chili problem. flakes in Right, there. exactly. You yeah. got to have I don't the know, right... I dude. They're spices. They're spicy. But I think the, the problem is... cinnamon? I put cinnamon on my eggs? It's good. Do it. The fuck? Barbarian? Do it. It's good. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cinnamon on your eggs? Yeah. Put some Kit Kats in there. Kids too. go crazy for these <laughs> cinnamon not egg like, crunch. Just a little. Because like, you, you don't think of cinnamon, cinnamon as a... Cinnamon egg crunch. <laughs> <laughs> you might not think of it as a, as a you know food that you put on or the thing that you put on hearty foods oh, I guess, cinnamon but. makes everything better. also wait can really we go does, back yeah. to cinnamon toast crunch real quick because but they're always like wait, were we on cinnamon toast crunch i was so when they're like <laughs> was cinnamon why do, what do kids go crazy for cinnamon toast crunch is that i thought they go fair? crazy for kooky crisps oh, yeah. which by the way is a cereal that's just small cookies <laughs> <laughs> well, i was gonna point out why do kids love this because it's sugar because it's a pile of cookies um <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so well, I think the thing is, if you if you're gonna make twelve eggs, I think you're right. You need to you you need to vary the texture that yeah. you're gonna be eating them in. Also, so like you gotta mix in some runny egg in there because runny egg is the best kind of egg. You just need to get it. But in you there can't. Sometimes. This is my thing. You can't eat. You can't tell me that eating six runny no, eggs. No, no, that would ruin that at all. No, you drink them. <laughs> also, actually, yeah. Also, uh, another another way you can vary it is. So there's a couple things, for example, you might put it on a different plate, you know, maybe like a fancy plate versus a mm. simple one. And you can also vary how fast you eat it. So like mm -hmm. some days you eat it really fast, I have days one, you eat it really fast. I have, yeah, I have one speed setting when it comes to food. How fast? Just fast. Yeah. 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 We, we, we grew up in the 
in the culture of uh, public school Iowa uh, in, mm-hmm. inhaling food. Well, so we'll point out, every other person I've talked to, nobody else had as short of lunch periods as we did. Our Anywhere in the fucking lunches. country. Yeah, yeah. growing up, we had, we had in, our, in our school, we had 22-minute lunch period. <laughs> well, that period. was that was to get to lunch, yeah, to, this to is get a, in line, get our food, get back, eat it, and then get back to class. Which yeah. means you had, you had, it was 10 to 15 minutes of waiting to get your food. Yeah. Seven minutes, minutes to eat it. Yeah, you had to eat your entire lunch in five to seven minutes at our school. Which I have to say was actually spectacular training because, like, when you're trying to get some shit done, you know, being able just to make food and eat it in a span of just a handful of minutes is a really useful skill. Yeah. Yeah. So, I it now. Yep. Anyways, we got a really important question now. Um, oh. This comes from Pixel Bracket who says, Pancakes, waffles, or French toast? It's in this caps. Is, this so. is related. Of those three, only French toast because the other two are what? basically garbage. No, my waffles. Waffles are the shit. Nah. Sorry, Adam. You've been voted Pancakes, off the I'm glad that everybody agrees that pancakes are the worst. Pancakes though. are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> pancakes, when you put syrup on them, they just turn into a like a horrible soup of... Right. Yeah, you need waffles. For it's a, it's yeah, a I would say thing. waffles. Waffles are the best as a vehicle for. They syrup got little and syrup cups. Yeah, yeah, they're perfect for that, and they and they're crispy enough that they tend to not dissolve, though they still do. But as just a standalone food item, the only one that's actually interesting is French toast. I think I just got more stuff. No, waffles are waffles. You need a you need a fucking crazy like cast iron machine just to make them. Like you got to press them into existence. My problem with French toast is that like just French toast, which by by its like sort of culinary definition, is you take a bunch of eggs, slam some toast, slam some some bread in there, and then yeah. throw them on the on the grill. Now you've got a full hearty breakfast, right? Well, here's there. the thing, though, just that by itself, not that good. Yeah, like, waffle by itself, though, I think much better than nah. French toast. No, they're all terrible by themselves. <laughs> they're all. Terrible. It's just some sugar. They're all just vehicles. I, I think. Yeah, we we can all agree that nobody really likes any of these. It's the syrup that's the good part. Yeah. yeah. So it's the question like, is, which one is the best? It's just that cookie carrier of syrup. And a better question is, why aren't we just drinking syrup for breakfast? Like, why don't we just get a cup, put some cinnamon in there? Yeah, you syrup. know, some behaviors aren't allowed if they're done by themselves. It's like those people who are like, I only smoke when I drink. <laughs> you know, like you, you don't want to be the guy who's just smoking off in the corner by himself. But mm-hmm. yeah, but, but if when you pair, you pair it, it together, so I only like, drink syrup when it's out of a tiny. Waffle. made out of a waffle. Well, like we, we <laughs> talked about this, I think, maybe like 20 podcast episodes ago or something mm-hmm. about, about how breakfast foods... They're a lie. They're basically... You, you, you take a dessert, you separate out the sugary part. Then you pour it then on. Then you put it back on, and then mm-hmm. it becomes breakfast yeah. food. <laughs> Speaking of breakfast food, uh, the next person's name is... How many is, breakfast questions are there? The next question, well, the next question is from someone called Real Pop-Tart Bacon. We're on a roll here. Yeah, so Real, Real Pop-Tart Bacon asks, what motivated you guys to start making games, and did you have any experiences in life that made you want to make games? Um... I didn't really want to make games. Adam didn't even want to. I was okay with it. We just made him do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't make he games. He still doesn't We were like, games. Adam, we need help. He's like, no. <laughs> I was like, like And then we were like, Adam. And he's like, fine. <laughs> um, stupid brothers dragging me into yeah. stupid games. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to answer this. I think it's just always, they've always been kind of cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's because maybe when we were growing up, we weren't allowed to really have games. And yeah. So they kind of they kind of carry this like mystical forbidden the forbidden fruit. Yeah. So anytime I go to friends' houses and stuff, I would just play the shit out of whatever video game consoles mm-hmm. they had because every one of my friends had just mountains of video games. Everywhere. So the lesson here and is none of them are making video games. That's true. Yeah. 
So, so this does, is, this does is, prohibition work or does it just turn everybody into makers of whatever? I think it turns into that sort of that repression concept, right? right. Where it's like by turn into a freak. Yeah, by by <laughs> by pushing it down for for eighteen years, then it all comes out at once, and then that's then it. You, then you're parade. You end up in the hospital because you. Gamed you, too much. You gamed, <laughs> you gamed hard. Our next question comes from <laughs> Mia Kitty. What's something you miss most from your childhood? Is there a food or drink that's off the market, a toy or game that no longer exists, somewhere y'all used to go individually or as a family? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the ability to walk outside, pick up a stick, and just throw it as hard as you can. <laughs> <laughs> and have it not matter. Where it landed, because we had enough land that it was like whatever. uh, We lived like two miles outside of town in the middle of fucking nowhere. I've tried to explain this to people, because you can't even do this, like when I go to Castlewood, the park, the go hiking or forest park. Yeah, you can't just fling. I still can't go flinging sticks. And I'm like, I just want to throw a fucking stick (laughs) however far I want. The shit that we we were able to do, we were able to do stuff like, we got some fireworks from, uh, which were not legal in Iowa, so we had to go down to the Missouri-Iowa border. We'll just say they appeared... We had fireworks. Somehow there were fireworks. <laughs> there's any policemen listening. We definitely is, did not carry them across the border because that would be illegal. That would no, be we didn't. Illegal. We didn't do that, and we also didn't do this next thing I'm going to talk about, which is <laughs> this is a hypothetical. Yeah, which is we we would like take the contents of the fireworks out and try mixing them with different mm-hmm. things to see what we could make it. We made bombs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we did, so, and, and then we just got into the the front yard and just blow them up mm-hmm. like right there. I remember the trying to turn a floss container into a little into a little explosive. explosive by filling it up with black powder. Yeah. Did you wrap the fuse around the little dispenser of floss? I, I remember one time that that Adam Adam in particular was pretty pumped about. Adam built a lot of I had good times. A lot of weapons. I remember one time Adam tried to make a coffee creamer fireball. Oh what, yeah. What did you not try? To- <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do a lot of things. Yeah, Adam also built, oh, that Adam works, also built a trebuchet. A working medieval a trebuchet. Working siege weapon. It had 210 <laughs> pounds of counterweight. Which we hurled coconut-filled, or gasoline-filled coconuts out of. That's true. <laughs> that were on fire. Which, again, what did we do? You can't, you can't really do this. Yeah, I mean, all, you, all, it, needs, all you, it takes to build a, a trebuchet is like 40 bucks of wood. Uh, it was more and like a 150 bucks. Okay. Some elbow grease. And you yeah. have to, and also the weights from your weight equipment in the basement. Yeah, a where couple, did you couple get, 45 pound weights. Where did you get the plans? I made the plans. It was, my, it, was my the senior, it was my senior project <laughs> in high school. So I like, I spent all this time researching uh, medieval weaponry and all that kind of stuff. And then I looked up what all these schematics looked like for trebuchets. And I just designed my, I made a little balsa wood model first that I could launch, you know, and then I made the full scale model. Like it's not really full scale because they made fucking. Well, see, this is what I what I refer to now is is the idea of projectile freedom, where someone's like, "What do you want your life to look like?" And I was like, "I want projectile freedom." And they're like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "I want to be able to, in the place that is mine, to throw things." Mm-hmm. Well, it's just it- it's just a population density. Question, it really is, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah where, where we were, there was like six people per square mile. Yeah, and so you could just fling things. Even with a siege weapon that you built. Yeah. And you'd still <laughs> fun. Even if they're explosive. Yeah. So. I also miss burning the prairie. Yeah. Mm, that's true. Oh, my God. Those good times. Prairies have to be burned. Yeah, prairies have to be burned every well, couple years, probably. I think and we did it every year. We did it every year for fun because it's too good. But <laughs> the best one is we, we always try to pick a calm day because if you burn the prairie when it's windy, then you get fire tornadoes. And I'm not yeah. kidding at all. Cool. There are fire yeah, tornadoes. You get, you get two, you get two uh, sort of converging fire paths, mm-hmm. and then they come together and they just 
they whip around and make vertical inverse Bernie tornadoes. Yeah, and then if there's a Bernadoes. high wind, then that thing actually travels. So you get a genuine fire path happening, um, which is really fun. We set the neighbor's field on fire once. Yeah, only once, though. I think just once. The fire department always knew we were doing We let them know that this was going to happen because they could see it from town. <laughs> they could always see that there was a fire out in the country somewhere. Yeah, way to give them a heads up. Yeah, just being able to burn stuff and throw stuff, I guess. Yeah. A lot of destruction-oriented things. Like that. You can't really do that. We were children. We were children. <laughs> but I still want to do what it. What are you going to do? I still want to do it as an adult. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Northbad. I noticed a few devs focus on HTML5 games as a means of revenue and could see it as a handy way to support yourself while working on a bigger project. However, this way seems to put money over the game quality. Any thoughts on devs that go this route? On devs that go this route? That's, 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 that's a judge dangerous <laughs> Yeah. I actually just think as a route, I don't think it's... V- I don't think... I don't see how you could conceivably make more money on an HTML5 game. Yeah, you can't. You absolutely can't. If there is, someone let us know the market value there. Yeah, somebody t- somebody hook us up with that because that <laughs> seems crazy. Yeah, I think uh, making games that will make a very tiny amount of money as a way to offset the relatively enormous cost of making games to actually make money is probably not the wisest business mm-hmm. move. Probably not. But um, who are we to say? We don't know. Who are we to say? Yeah. Maybe they have access to information that we yeah. don't know. I doubt, I doubt that it's putting money over, over game design. Yeah, I don't know. What, it seems unlikely that yeah. that's, that that's yeah. the motivation. We talking about North Bad? You trying to get us to talk smack? <laughs> yeah. HTML5 devs? Yeah, we got here, you Come rascal. On. Come on. Uh, Matt5597 says, do you guys think HTML is a programming language? No. I mean, isn't it not by definition? It's a markup language. Yeah. It's so a, like, it, in fact, some might call it a hypertext markup language. Mm-hmm. Some might do that. Yeah. HTML. Man. <laughs> you literally just put tags on stuff. Hyper, hyper text. Uh, For those of you who don't know how to build websites, you just put some tags on stuff. By tag, I mean put a carrot, put the word body. No, not a carrot. What the fuck? Sideways carrot. Greater than, less than signs. Whatever. Sideways carrot. I wish we had a better name for those. <laughs> Angle brackets. Angle brackets. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about curly brackets? But those no, curly braces? Braces. Curly this brackets are, you. Just, that's when you take a straight bracket, and then you fry it, and then you twist it around. I thought that was yeah. when you curled it to get your bicep <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> The curling yeah. bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Next question comes from Luke is cool. Does anyone know what the strange item is in the right side of the Duskwatcher's house that you can break with your pickaxe before you de- all the, defeat all the enemies and what it does? That's very specific. This is very specific. I probably know, but also I haven't played Crashlands literally in like seven months. So we don't know. We don't know what that thing is. I don't even know it what it is. It might made. not even exist. I think Who you knows, made it up. Luke? Also, you should ask this on the subreddit. No, this, Why it, you no, this, this person's name isn't Luke. They're just, they really admire somebody. Uh, Luke's cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Luke so much. I'm going to make my username Luke is cool. Super cool. Luke is the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question of the day comes from Arkarnix, who asks, uh, you are visited by the Shenanigans Fairy. And they will reorder the letters of each of your names based on your choice. What would your shenanigram be? I have two. And actually, one of them is my, is my, or at least was for a while, my handle on Steam, which was Sacred Atom. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. good. And the other one, because it is visually comical, is Masted Orca. Ooh. Mas- masted? Masted. Like you like put a mast the- in it. <laughs> <laughs> I just go with my first name. I think I'll go with Hest. <laughs> <laughs> Hissed. Hissed. Uh, I remember because there's a there's an anagram generator. Yeah. Online. I think we did this for mine. There was some hilarious one that involved cream. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Or scream. I there's, there's something well, both of those were gonna be Yeah, there was something absolutely cream. It was something like that. It was just absolutely terrible. So that's nice. the one I would pick. 
I can't figure it out right now. Nice. All right, cool. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Coffee with Butterscotch. Thanks for sticking around. And, you know, if you want to ask some questions, go to podcast.bscotch.net and ask them. Tell your friends that this exists. And we're subscribe still and give us c- comments, reviews, and whatever. Stars. I don't know. Whatever. Do whatever a thing. And then uh, Seth's game. Alien Kitchen Turbo. Alien Kitchen Turbo. <laughs> we'll put <laughs> some links up. <laughs> I was trying to think of the name and just blanked on it. Um, we'll have a link to it in the description if you want to give it a give it a swing. Swing it like a cat. As they say. Yeah. (laughs) Swing it like a Polaroid picture. Swing it like a Polaroid (laughs) cat. And we'll see you next week. Coffee with Butterscotch. Bye. Bye.